0: previously on Many Realms. In the flickering drakefruit light, you can see a dwarf with a fancy mustache. The bones on the top of this plateau start to move, and they begin to meld together, and they take on the form of a skeletal dragon, which opens its mouth, stares at you with eyeless sockets, and lets loose a voiceless scream roll for initiative.
1: Hey, I'm Jory. I play Juniper
2: and it's savvy to be here. Hi, my name is Jillian. I play Anisha. It's emotionally fulfilling to be here. Hi, my name is
3: Eli. I play Olivet and it's I just bought new Birkenstocks and I love them to be here.
4: Hi, my name is Jordan. I play Mateo and last time it was good to be here and the time before that it was good to be here. And guess what? This time.
0: It's pretty good to be here. Hi, I'm Jesse. I was raised by kobolds. This is Many Realms. Ah! This newly formed, raised, undead, skeletal dragon stretches the fleshless wings that sprout from its shoulders and through sheer necromantic will takes flight. It swoops down. Uh, Olivet, Mateo, and Anisha need to make a constitution saving throw.
3: 21. 20.
0: 8. 8, okay. All right, 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 all right. So... Anisha, you take seven points of uh, acid damage, and Olivet and Mateo, you take three points of acid damage as this dragon swoops down and opens its mouth and sprays like a heavy chlorine-smelling mist on you. It kind of does like a figure eight, swoops around, and lands on this second uh, intermediate platform and gazes down at you with undead malice.
4: Since I'm now level three and have taken the thief archetype, I have gotten second story, which allows me to use fast climb, which allows me to climb without having my movement speed. So I don't have to lose any momentum, but I can see none from there. So yes. I will shoot him with my crossbow. Okay. Ugh, that is an 11. 11 doesn't hit, unfortunately. Okay, uh, cunning action, dodge for the round. Okay.
2: Anisha. Oh. I'm very scared. I don't want to follow Mateo if I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I have 40 feet of movement.
0: You would need to make a athletics check to climb. Yeah. 12. Okay, so um, it's just going to cost you twice as much to move up. So to move up the 10 feet wall it would cost like 20 feet.
2: Okay, then that's where I'm going to be. I guess I'll do my signature dart throw okay. from far away nice. at Nod. Hey, Yay. that's a natural 20. It's only six.
0: Okay, Anisha and Mateo, you both uh, sprint towards this sheer cliff face and scramble up at Mateo, I guess, with um, a slightly more earned agility, if that makes him happy, and uh, you loose your attacks at Nod. One crossbow bolt smashes against a Now is it a stalagmite or a stalactite?
2: Let's not go there.
0: Anisha's dart flies true and Pierce's nods shin. Anything else on your turn? Nope. Okay.
2: Wait, can I do patient defense?
0: I don't know. Can you?
2: Yeah, it's a bonus action. Dodge.
0: Okay. Nod ducks away as you launch your attacks at him. And he cranes his neck over the edge of the plateau to see which uh, meddlesome kids are bothering his grand design. And he sees all of you spread out along the various heights of the cavern floor. And he strokes his mustache for a moment, (laughs) which Jillian hates. And he snaps his fingers in front of you olivet the kind of stray bones and fragments and stones that uh are piled around your feet start to shake and and uh wiggle with life and in a moment strange creatures animate masses of bone and rock are starting to form they're not quite complete dragon skeletons because maybe there's just not enough complete bone for that to uh even happen they're um ugly abominable misshapen creatures that not as called forth out of the remaining necromantic energy that uh drips heavily from this place so two of these small uh they're made from the bones of the baby dragons and they rise to prevent your interference not duck behind the stalak or stalagmite tight, loctite container.
1: Uh, before I do anything, I wanna use my glasses to see what this wand does.
0: The wand you found in Eulacan's dining room? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's a 20. Okay. It's functionally similar to a wand of Scorching Ray, except that it deals cold damage instead of fire damage. So how Scorching Ray works is you create three rays of ice and hurl them at targets within range. You can hurl them at one target or several. Make a ranged spell attack for each ray on a hit, the target takes 2d6 cold damage. Uh, It has two charges.
1: Great, I'm gonna go next
0: to all of it.
3: Oh, I'm gonna go for this little baby dragon.
0: Okay.
3: Uh, And I'm gonna use my dagger for the first time.
0: Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. (laughs) So it's, oh my god, plus nine. 28 uh, probably hits.
0: Ah, uh, fuck, yeah, it does. <laughs> Olivet and Anisha roll a d8. Five? One. Okay, so you'll take uh, your damage and add your strength modifier to it as normal.
1: Oh, cool.
0: You'll both roll every time either of you hits with the daggers and you'll take whoever's damage output but was higher because of French uh, shot.
3: Okay, so it's a nine. Great. Oh, wait, do you add the plus three for the oil? Yes.
0: Oh, yeah, I do.
3: It's... Is it
1: plus six because you put oil on both of them? No, no. she's using another one, so it's plus so it's 12 there.
0: <laughs> Everything is doubled. Uh, sorry, that's 12? Yes. Sure. It's Velix's turn. Velix daggers forward. She doesn't have the dagger that you kicked away from her ten minutes ago. Olivet, you see Velix transform to the bones of her face suddenly shift and elongate, and you see her fingers stretch into wicked sharpened claws. Ah. A faint pattern of black and blue scales sweeps across her exposed forearms, and Velix is half-ish dragon? Dragonborn haven't been invented yet. She uh, unleashes her um, inner diva. <laughs> and she takes a swipe at one of these skeletons
3: oh my god pushing the stagger away was literally useless
0: <laughs> you sure did that she does miss though oh, she's still very much super injured uh, and now it is oh fuck yeah
3: dragon time damn oh no It's <laughs> a lot well, it was nice living with all of you. Yeah,
0: great game. <laughs> <laughs> this dragon rakes Mateo uh, with its sharpened claws, which are dripping with the, the same kind of acidic mist that uh, it expels from its breath and deals 14 points of damage okay. to sweet Mateo.
4: I'm at minus three. Okay. You're unconscious. Yes.
0: Yeah. It is not going to fly away because it thinks it can probably get Anisha next and it's Mateo's turn to make a death save. Pass. Ooh. Uh,
2: Nisha immediately bends down and is like, "No, no, don't die, don't die." and touches Mateo uh, I give you 8 hit points.
4: If this is 6 seconds around, it's more like as I'm falling to the ground,
2: <laughs> Nisha I just kind of touches
0: you and it's oh, like, that's nice. "Not today, Satan."
2: Exactly. And I think I don't want to just, like, stand here and dance with this dragon, so I'm not going to, like, leave its threatened square. So after uh, I bring Mateo back to life, I would like to scamper up the last wall to bring me to the highest plateau.
0: Okay, you climb up, avoiding the shuddering bones as, like, the dragon flaps its skeletal wings, and you hoist yourself up onto the last uh, highest plateau and look down at Mateo catching his breath from his uh, recent brush with death and you stand up and you're sort of parallel to like the top ish of the dragon nod peers out from behind the rock and uh, glances over at you Isha and raises his hand and casts a spell which does not hit a jet of Crackling black light glances over your shoulder and smashes some of the rock behind you. And then Nod says, Oh, shit, and hides behind the rock again.
1: going guidance, all of that. Great. Thanks. Um, so, this is what an advantage on ability? It's a d4. Um, a plus d4 on an ability check. You can make this choice before or after. Great. I, amazingly, still have
3: spider climb. <laughs> <gasps>
0: I guess you do yeah! for, like, five more minutes.
3: That's enough. So I'm actually just going to dash. Um, I'll let these guys take an attack of opportunity on me. Okay, so I can get to him in 60 feet. So I'm standing in front of Nod, but I can't act because I dashed here, but at least I've taken his attention.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> and one of the dragon babies scratched at you for another three points of damage. Velix is going to place herself between Juniper and the other dragon baby zombies.
1: Thanks, Valix.
0: <laughs> but she's not She's not hitting today. It's not happening for her. She's been stabbed so much. It is Dragonio's turn. And guess who recharged his acid breath? Fuck. It's him. I think it's going to move over to the edge of the plateau and target Juniper and Valix with its breath. Each of you need to make a constitution saving throw.
3: Well, you have to make one, I guess, as Valix.
0: I'm talking to Valix.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, she's here. (laughs) 14.
0: Juniper, you take three points of damage from this uh, acidic gas. Valix takes a full six points of damage, which is uh, not much more than she had so she um, staggers and falls backwards onto the ground uh, in front of the dragon babies as this acid burns, although her scales probably help a little bit. The dragon is then going to swoop up and fly back up to the uh, top plateau to protect its unholy master. I guess Mateo would get an uh, opportunity to take. Takes a little, little stabby stab. Thirteen. Thirteen does not hit. Okay.
4: Gotcha, Nod, ha-ha two as a crossbow bolt rings out into the night. Nice. 22. Oh, with sneak attack too. Yeah. Seven on the bolt. Plus another five. 12 total and cunning action a dodge.
0: You fire into Nod's shoulder and he screams and his head whips around to look at you as uh, blood spurts down the front of his robes. <laughs> Anisha?
2: Mm-hmm. I'm going to sprint up to Nod. So we'll try to hit him with the dagger. Olivette's here, I feel good. Good. Yeah, that's an 18. That hits. I rolled a five. I rolled a three.
0: Let's take the five.
2: So for a total of 10 damage.
0: Fuck, okay, Uh, Nod is actually looking pretty heinous as you all begin to treat him like a human pincushion.
2: Yeah, (laughs) you wrecked my town! I get to punch him again, actually.
0: (laughs) That's just sort of indulgent, I think.
2: That's a a natural (laughs) 20. It's okay, my my fists don't do a lot of damage, but uh, still, that's six points of damage from my fist in his face.
0: All right, you punch him um, in his face. You rip his mustache off.
3: <laughs> I hope I so. Shave. Yes.
0: Punch the highlights out of her hair. <laughs> <laughs> uh now it's Nod's turn. And boy, <laughs> is he mad that he's being killed. Anisha and Mateo need to make a dexterity saving throw. Actually, and Olivet. I think he can make it work.
2: Oh, nope, failed.
0: Oh, failed. Mine's a You each take 10 points of damage as Nod summons a fireball that explodes in this vicinity and catches the three of you and his own dragon in its fiery wrath.
2: I'm like, my skin is like burned by acid and fire. I'm just standing there with a dagger, like full of rage and probably like steaming a little bit.
0: Like with rage or with fire? No, both. Yeah. Yeah. Jennifer, it's your turn.
1: Yeah, so healing word is a bonus action. Can I cast it on Mateo from where I am?
0: Yeah, that's the whole point. of he, uh, What is the actual range? Like, it's distance. 60 feet. What's the word?
1: Tact. <laughs> <laughs> so, two.
4: Thank you. So, Mateo's just having this interesting thing during this fight where he's kind of just, like, blinking, and it seems like it's a long blink, and then he's like, oh, that was... That was weird for a sec. It was kind of weird for a sec. There, someone say something and whatever, I, I'm fighting this should get back in the. I'm
1: going to shoot my wand at the baby dragon. So I roll uh 19, 19.
0: And roll that three times cuz you're making three rays. 19
1: 10 10, 10. Okay. and
0: 15. Uh two of those hit. Are you okay. targeting the same one or the, both of them?
1: I'll target both of them.
0: Okay, so two d six cold damage.
1: One gets nine, mm-hmm. and one gets
0: three. Uh, so number one gets uh, like how when you um leave a beer can in, like a really cold freezer for too long, it just kind of like, <laughs> out the like the ice kind of just shatters all of its kind of um. Unholy, you know, incoherent parts that were never meant to be assembled in this dark design anyway, and it is uh, returned to its eternal reward. <laughs> Olivet, you are scorched by fire. You're saying in front of Nod. Nod's like, "How'd you like that fire? Pretty bad, huh?"
3: I'm gonna second win myself. Okay. For seven, so I'm back up to nineteen, and then in dwarvish, because I speak that, and I never got to use it this whole t- campaign. I call him a cur.
0: How (laughs) mild? He's like, I already knew that. Yeah. (laughs) Great turn, great turn.
2: (laughs) Second, win a full action bonus.
0: I think that one's actually a bonus action.
2: Bonus action? Oh boy!
0: (laughs) Yeah, you could still just. Let's dagger. Okay.
3: That's an 18 plus some other stuff. You
0: got an eight. I
3: got a six. 15. Okay. And then in Dwarvish, I say, what fire?
0: (laughs) Confusing. There was definitely a fire. (laughs) Um, Uh. (laughs) Olivet, you brush off the soot and ash that is coating the tops of your shoulders and pull back your charred mass of hair and redraw on your burnt-off eyebrows. You draw your dagger and in the low teal colored light of the drake fruit next to your feet, you can see the rune for friendship flash for a second. And then you charge forward and you plunge that dagger into Nod's chest and the force of the blow sends him back against the wall of the rocky outcropping on which he stands. And um, he thuds his head against it heavily coughing, he pushes forward trying to get you away from him, but you keep your hand firm on the handle of the dagger until Nod stops moving, and his body becomes unnaturally heavy, and he slumps to the floor. Behind you, you hear that same uh, wretched, voiceless call as the dragon lets loose another roar. Its body is beginning to crumble. Um... Flakes and shards of bone are cracking and splitting off. Uh, Its claws are crumbling as it attempts to stagger forward and continue to terrorize you. And in its eye sockets, twin points of teal colored light appear as this shambling, dissolving zombie dragon charges you once more. It's its turn. only 9 points of slashing damage from a crumbling zombie dragon claw uh, that rakes across your back as you shove Nod's body onto the ground the dragon's going to turn and leap down in front of Valix and it's um, horrible undead spawn and Valix gets her turn hey she finally hit and she uh, sinks her claws into the chest of the baby dragon that she's fighting with a, a pained grimace. Uh, and then the dragon lands in front of her and she staggers back and looks up at the rest of you like, oh, shit. Uh, now it is Mateo's turn.
4: Mateo is going to climb up this little spire and purge himself on top of the spire and uh, he's just going to keep loosing from there. Little shot at this dragon. Uh, big miss, probably. Ooh, big Eleven. miss.
0: Yeah, 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 big miss, big miss. All right, <laughs> uh, he is probably,
4: you know, not aiming too well at this point, so that's... Because
0: of all the dying, you mean? Uh, near dying, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's still dying. It's just dying and coming back. Uh, Anisha?
2: Anisha has one hit point, and it's really not doing super hot. So they're gonna hide behind this rock that we're all standing around and cast Sanctuary on themself. What does that do? It is a protection. Any enemy that tries to attack me has to succeed a wisdom saving throw of 12. And if they don't succeed, then they have to choose a new target or lose the attack. But it doesn't include area effects. But if I deal damage or attack anything then it drops.
0: Cool. Juniper's turn.
2: I'll use the wand on the dragon.
0: Okay. Uh, All three rays on the dragon?
1: Sure. So that's 13. That's six and that's seven.
0: Okay. The 13 hits. Eight. Okay. The one ray of cold scorch hits the base of the wing joint where it meets the shoulder and with a gross cracking sound, that wing snaps completely off and slams onto the floor, the heavy bone uh, crumbling as it falls.
1: Can I also give Velix a berry or two?
0: Yeah, you can do that as a bonus action.
1: Yeah, I'll give Velix two berries.
0: Felix, you, <laughs> you've, like, developed such an intimate relationship with these other people where you can, like, walk up to them and be like, eat this. And Felix is like, what the fuck are you talking about? Who? I don't even know your name. Um, and you're like, eat these berries. And they're like, okay. She eats them.
3: I'm gonna dash.
0: Okay, just running up and down this mountain. I'm
3: just a, I'm a sprinter. So I'm behind the dragon. You That's it. I'm on the dragon. Can I do that?
0: I don't see why not.
3: Can I, I climb on the dragon? I spider climb onto the dragon. I guess
0: with spider climb, it's like, how could you fall off, right? And it's literally what the whole point of spider climb is. Hey. Uh, so you leap from this plateau onto the dragon's back, and you're like, that's me. That's Olivette. <laughs>
3: uh-huh. <laughs> hey, guys, this is my toothless. You won't get that reference, but it's good.
0: Okay. It's going to, it's dragon turn, and Velik's turn. Velix takes out the second dragon bone baby, another claw across the head, and she's so caught up in chewing her food and defeating her enemy that um, she doesn't notice the dragon. Well, she notices it, obviously, but she doesn't dodge the dragon attack. Velix goes down uh, under this dragon's bite attack and um, collapses onto the floor in front of Per. Mateo, you watch as Cap Climbs on top of a bone dragon. Cool. <laughs> uh, I shoot. This is my perch. There
4: are many others like it, but this one is mine. <laughs> 22. Okay. Thank you for threatening it, Eli. So that'll be uh, seven. And then
0: 14 total. This crossbow gets lodged in between its ribs and the dragon screams, even though there's no muscle or nerves there to
4: uh, or vocal cords for that. Matter.
0: Or vocal cords. There's a lot of stuff happening here. It is looking really rough. Anisha,
2: I think I'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna dash and just like hide behind this. I don't okay. want the dragon to see me.
0: Does sanctuary move with you, or does it stay behind that rock? Yeah,
2: it's just like on me.
0: Okay, Juniper, it's your turn.
2: I'm
1: gonna oh. get to Anisha mm-hmm. and cast heroism. A duration up to one minute. A willing creature you touch is imbued with bravery until spell ends. The creature is immune to being frightened and gains temporary hit points equal to my spell casting mo- ability modifier. So that's my wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you get a hit- whole hit point. Oh, at the start <laughs> of each turn. Yeah. When the spell ends, the target loses the temporary hit points. So then it's all of it's Me. Turn. I want to do a, a, a backslash. A slash on the back.
0: Yeah.
3: I'm on the back and I'm gonna slash. Like
0: a (laughs) web (laughs) page.
3: Yeah. Uh, 24. Fuck
0: yeah with these rolls. All right. With your friendship dagger.
3: Let's do this friendship thing. Yeah, friendship. Where's the pink one? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you. Needed that. Okay. Uh, That's 12. Wow, friendship really came in handy there.
0: (laughs) You spider climb naruto run over like the top of its spine uh (laughs) and you um run up the length of it to its skull uh which is now full of cracks and chips and small holes that are spreading by the second this dragon is uh only extant by the sheer force of the malevolent necromantic energy and the the charge of the trauma and violence that sort of surround this place. And even that can only be controlled and shaped by Nod for so long. And now that he's dead, uh, it's unspooling rapidly by the minute. This dragon is dissipating all around you. When you take your dagger and you sense behind the rock, Anisha tighten their grip on that paired dagger with you. Plunging it into the top of that skull is like cutting through hot butter. Or the other way. Cutting through butter with a hot knife. <laughs> I guess the butter could be. No, because then it melts. Then
1: it's liquid. You to cut through
0: <laughs> You stab the dragon's skull and butter is involved. <laughs> <laughs> For a second, nothing happens. And the little twin plumes of light in the dragon's eyes roll up to stare directly into yours, Olivet. And then, um, like a confetti cannon at a parade, the dragon explodes into a thousand bone shards that shoot and ricochet all around the room. Everyone takes one point of damage from them.
1: <laughs> uh, Am I hiding, though?
0: Yes. Okay. <laughs> and Olivet, you tumble through the air and slam into the ground as your perch upon this dragon no longer exists. And um, you are not, you don't sustain damage from the fall, just uh, a little winded. And you look up and from your vantage point at the very bottom of this canyon you can see mateo perched on the top of a rock holding a crossbow like he is an expert soldier under your charge aiming it with deadly accuracy at the spot where your foe was you can see juniper on her knees reaching forward to help her friend in a time of need you can see not Anisha, who's hiding behind the rock, but the hand <laughs> extended that's holding onto the dagger, and the glinting light off the rune of strength, and you can see Felix slumped on the ground next to you, uh, her eyes shut, unmoving.
2: We did this with friendship.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we finished the central storyline of Tallow. The... Necromancer Nod has been defeated, his plan to summon a bone dragon underneath the structures of Tower Hill has been thwarted, and um, the life of the half-dragon Valix has been spared. My early experiences with D and D were playing games where like the DM like creates content as like a like a present that you like open and then you go through it and then you like do it and that's kind of the game. But obviously a lot of other systems and one thing I'm really excited about with Many Realms is trying to explore more systems where like those kinds of things are more negotiated. Where like how a story unfolds can be more of a discussion at the table when it happens. Not only because it's less work for me, but also because I think um, I've found some really talented and interesting world builders who can um, share of that work and make it um, a collaborative joy. So uh, all of that to say, I want this sort of epilogue session to be structured together. And I'm not just going to set a scene and tell you what happens after this final battle in these caverns and catacombs. I want us to decide that together. And uh, I especially want your characters to decide What they do with the information they've learned, what they do with the characters they've met, and I want us to um, collaboratively come to a unanimous decision about how this world is changed by the events that you've all experienced. I also don't have any notes, so we have to do the thing I said. (laughs) I can give you a framework though, I can get us started, and I can say maybe we want to do a variety of scenes that might be set at different points in time and maybe we will start at the very center of this conflict, temporally say like you know, this was maybe the middle of the night, this fight, as you, like, went deep into the ground uh, as as night rose over Tower Hill. So let's talk about the next day.
2: Anisha wants to talk to Valix, obviously. And I don't know where we would have, like, spent the night.
0: You could have spent it in Yulakhan's like, manor, which yeah. is kind of macabre, but it's better nicely than... furnished. Lots of guest bedrooms, as I mentioned.
2: <laughs> yeah, better, better than, like, the bone graveyard thing. Yeah. So in the morning, in Ulukon's manor, okay. after recovering, uh, Anisha wants to talk to Velix about the future. Um, so I say, "Did you get what you were looking for?"
0: <laughs> that's a hard open. That's a <laughs> that's a bold one.
2: Audio drama.
0: Sure. Velix is probably, what, sitting up in one of the guest beds. Dawn sunlight is filtering in through the open window and Velix looks awful. I mean, she's been through hell and back on her um, dark-sided quest to obtain her own personal uh, measure of justice. She turns to you and she says, "Um, I think I got more than I deserved. What do you mean? I knew that What I wanted to do was going to hurt a lot of people and I didn't care. And I don't care. I'm not sorry for destroying that candle. It needed to be destroyed. And I was glad to be the one to do it. But I don't understand. I still don't why all of you had such a change of heart on the whole not killing me front.
2: I think there is a lot to be said uh, in the name of mercy, in the name of. Understanding. I have learned a lot in the past two weeks about this world and this town and how we, I don't know, how we, you know, closed ourselves off to everything uh, and the truth and our honest history because. People like Yulakon didn't share what they knew and that hurt people too. Right? That hurt maybe you most of all.
0: But it looks like in the end you didn't get what you were after.
2: Well, I mean, we don't we don't understand dragons very well. Are are you a dragon? How does that work?
0: <laughs> the question on everyone's minds um says uh i i guess you'd call me part I, I don't know exactly what to tell you i mean my mother was the one who managed to uh escape in time and uh she died when i was young so i don't know exactly how she came to take on uh, the form she did i imagine magic was involved in some case and uh when she met my father, I think I'm sort of uh, the end result of a complicated process. I might be the only one, um, but that's a feeling I'm used to. Mm,
2: that reminds me. Uh, we found these, sorry, in your house. Uh, and I give back the necklace and the letter from Felix's
0: mother. She takes them reverently. And she strings the necklace up around her neck and she scans the letter even though she's read it a dozen times and knows every word of it. She says, um, I imagine it'd be best if I made my way quietly and didn't trouble you anymore. If you can spare me that kindness.
2: Of course, I think this town has bigger problems we need light in more ways than one and the original source isn't gonna do it anymore
0: I wish I could offer you a solution there but uh it's beyond me and I could always see in the dark anyhow
2: <laughs> yeah I think this is one of those things that will just take time and more learning uh, but we've met some very skilled people along the way, so I think I think we could probably make up something better.
0: She nods, and she uh, looks at you and almost smiles. What else is happening, if anything, kind of in the immediate aftermath?
3: Um, I mean, I don't think she's going to get to, but Olivet's first inclination was like, to put Valix in jail? Okay. Oh, I will you're absolutely just, stop you're you. are just kind of
0: standing next to this. And guy. then you're like, and here's your handcuffs.
3: <laughs> but, like, I don't know if that even would work. No.
0: I mean, Valix is still pretty injured. You you can feel, like, I don't think she would try to put much of a fight.
3: Like, I feel like Olivet's probably the only one anyway who wants to put her in jail. Yeah. But this was her intention.
0: Is that a conversation you have with Velix or with the rest of your party? Like, how do you come to a resolution with that intention?
3: I don't know. <laughs> Let's say that she kind of opens this up and is like, now Velix, I am of course sympathetic, but you know, like a lot of people's lives have been essentially ruined by your actions. And I can't, I'm, I'm sorry and I hate to say it, but I can't just let you go.
0: Is this a conversation you're having one on one or with other people?
3: Let's say the others are around.
0: Okay.
2: We she she lost her whole family. Can't you understand why she did this?
4: No.
3: Look, I do. I understand I do and I would probably do the same thing, but you know, these things these things require something as retribution. I I'm sorry, but this this was the whole reason I set out is to make something
2: right. Yeah, and and we're going to. It doesn't have to be perfect right now, but I think think she's been hurt enough.
0: If you believe that locking me up in a cell would fix any part of this problem or just make yourself feel better, (laughs) maybe that's a sorry state of affairs for a captain of the guard. That's punishment, not justice.
2: I'm not asking to put you in a cell, Velix, but how... Well, listen, the candle, the candle's gone. The candle as we know it is gone. There's nothing more to, to get the, the wax from. We're not, I don't, we can't do that anymore. We have to do something different. This is, we have to start over and we're, we should start over. I agree.
3: We should start over, but we can't just let her traverse the woods without helping bring this back together and helping undo some of the pain she's caused in literally everyone in this town's life. I mean, I am sympathetic, and I think I would make the same mistake, but sometimes, Felix, you know, we have to face what we've done, even if it was right. It wasn't, that's, this is just life.
0: What would you have me do?
3: I don't know yet. Nothing dangerous or painful or humiliating, but, you know, there's an entire town to rebuild, and I think you shouldn't just run away from that
0: she uh toys with the necklace that she's wearing now and maybe this is like later that day or a day later where she's maybe up and walking a little bit and she crosses her arms and she says if that's the way you feel you outnumber me four to one and there's not much to be done about that so uh until you can decide for yourself what you'd like of me why don't I just uh, stay here in this hole?
3: If that is what you'd like, I'm willing to allow it. And if you'd like to live in Tower Hill as well, you know, to the best of my ability, I want to say that we can treat you better than you have been before.
1: Um, our reputations are on the line in this. Our lives are ability to walk through our town without suspicion. I don't want people to think that Anisha felt so cooped up that they destroyed the candle or that my family felt so isolated that we destroyed the candle. I want them to know that Valix, that she did this. And I want them to know why. I don't want, I don't want to just tell them that somebody who's living in a hole under Khan's manor, I need them to know that she is real. And that she did this. And then what she does after, I don't care.
2: Yeah, you saw how everybody was ready to start a riot in the streets when we got back. It wasn't particularly warm welcome. So I don't imagine that staying in Tower Hill is a realistic option for you, Valix. So, sure, we, we tell the council people. Valix tells the council people. Felix tells the council people what happened and then she can leave, like, forever. Yeah, I can agree to that.
0: Okay. Do you have
4: anything to say to this? I feel like I'd just be Skyping Felix. Oh my (laughs) (laughs) God. You're in love with your brother. You'll
3: never guess what happened, bro.
4: I I mean, I'm sitting here thinking about it, it's like, I'm a street urchin, so, like, my reputation is not on the line. I can only go up. Can't go farther down, mm-hmm. and yeah, all this kind of politics at play stuff is a little bit above Mateo. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Felix uh, agrees to your terms in a private, closed-door meeting at the town hall with Olivet standing guard. Um, she meets with Florentine and Stephenitis and Orlock and uh, explains her guilt. She admits it freely, openly, but not her regret. She outlines the nature of events that led to her creation and to her desire for revenge, uh, of which the town council is pretty skeptical, but three of the most prominent citizens and a street rat (laughs) (laughs) can back her up on that. And um, when they hear her story, Florentine is moved, uh, Stevenitis wants her head on a pike and Orlok thinks 10 years of hard labor ought to do it. Uh, and Velix shoots you a glance, Olivet, in this, uh, town hall meeting room.
3: At the end of the day, we've already negotiated these terms with Velix, and yeah, she's going to clear things up, but she is going to go out of here free.
0: Okay. And so maybe this is what, like 48 hours after the incident, Valix prefers to take the more discreet way out. Um, and Oliva and Anisha take Valix back down through the tunnel, through the big uh, canyon cavern while the Drakefruit are growing, and um, she is still unrepentant. She doesn't really offer you as much as a thank you. She meets you on your terms, she gives you a nod, and she turns and starts picking her way down the hill and out into the thicket that you can see in the distance. That's what happens to Valix. Um, what other stuff happens in, like, say the first week? I think the biggest question on your plates is what's to be done about the candle.
2: Yep.
3: Candle is not as much my bag, so.
1: Um, I guess this is my bag. A little bit, I think. What's the harm of using the tallow in Eula Khan's basement?
2: Well, like from the sympathy candles? that are there? They're not, they're not. Oh,
1: sorry, the yeah. teal candles that are down there? The damage has already been done and we have this resource
2: for better or for worse. I, I don't think it's like infinite. I don't think it would have like the same power as like the big one.
1: But it'll at least work until we've come up with something else. At the very least, it might work for a few years. It might work for a generation. I think we don't know. I think that's a good
3: transition in between finding another solution. I mean. All the candles that were surrounding Yulikon's body is probably enough to like light the road to Willow Run.
1: Um it was a lot, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It was tons. It was we can we can use that tallow and make a new gray candle, and it'll last however long. And we know that resource is not infinite, but it's a resource that we have.
2: What about the the drink fruit? Everything started there. Is the Drake is the Drake fruit as bright as we we have a Drake fruit the size of a small house?
0: Do
4: they have a sympathetic link or
0: whatever? That is something that could be researched, I guess. Yeah,
4: well,
1: something that could be developed.
4: Well, Valex just come right on back if we just make another big candle. Well, Wasn't that what started this whole entire thing?
1: It seems that a lot
3: of jobs are lost in Tower Hill as a result of no candle, and we could use a lot of like
0: two jobs. It's a lot. Like, of... <laughs> a lot. It's like Keon <laughs> two, and, and these and like
3: two, and well, also all of the
1: lamplighters
3: yeah. and the lamplighters.
4: Yeah. And they're nice,
0: job creations. I like too. <laughs> <laughs>
3: You're
0: um, running and... for office.
3: <laughs> it seems to me that. It makes sense if we put all of your energy and your apprentice's energy to finding a way to render this drake fruit
2: differently. Yeah, I, these candles are, are history and they I feel really uncomfortable using them now. I think those drake fruits down in the cavern were so big. Like we have to be able to do something with that instead. Put drake fruit on the road. I don't know. There are so many down there. We can keep growing it. We can grow that here. They grow it in Willow Run. Yeah.
4: Is this the direction you want to take? Then our economy might suffer because we'll be in stark competition because we'll both be selling drake fruits and we won't just have our commodity being candles anymore. So we're already behind on the great drake Drake fruit race. They have a full
0: infrastructure (laughs) for drake fruit and we don't. Are you actually
3: saying this?
4: Well, Mateo's
0: like, I hate politics. However, <laughs> the economic implications of this planet are dire. My uh, vernacular... Yes. Uh, well, I, you said a week, right? This so- is like the week I yeah.
4: <laughs> so-, so I got down to studying over uh,
0: the course um, of this week. And I came to realize that the economic Steve implications... Steven taught me a <laughs> lot about cause and supply and demand. And-
3: I mean, like, the thing that I am thinking... Is that if you are actually wondering about the logistics, doesn't it make sense that like, okay, drake fruits are eaten by dragons, and dragon fat makes tallow, it makes like these sympathy candles. Then why don't you just feed the drake fruit to animals that we're already eating? Like people eat like pigs in in Tower Hill, sure. So you could just use like pig fat.
4: Yeah, but then someone might come and be like, my aunt, I'm half pig. <laughs> oh, No, <laughs> I'm gonna destroy your pig candles.
0: Is the is the interest in like looking into Drakefruit as a replacement
2: that's like yeah anisha's okay. whole
0: <laughs> if that's like a component that everyone can agree on yes
1: yeah okay. yeah juniper's fine with it
0: it's okay. fine it's fine i can, <laughs> i can talk about anisha and Juniper heading down into the tunnels once again. Now um, just leaving the fucking door panel open because a lot of trips back and forth. I'm gonna talk about uh, Juniper looking up some magic that will allow her to reduce the weight of these giant drake fruit as she and Anisha roll them down this tunnel or out the city walls and up over, working with a team, a crew, to transport them out into the city. I can talk about Juniper researching everything she can find in Ulikon's vast libraries about Drakefruit, about her finding the secret door, accessing his true library that we didn't get to before, and um, starting to pour through the research notes. And I can talk about her writing a letter uh, and sending it off by courier, hoping to get a response as quick as she can. And I can talk a couple of weeks later about how the tower looks. And I can talk about a tower that has a big pile of compost and mulch behind it and indoor planters and beds ringing around each of the floors, catching all the sunlight from the windows on each side. And I can talk about the ceremony three weeks out when the top of the tower has been curtained up uh, with secret fervent excitement. And uh, I can talk about the arrival of Master Hemlock. And Elsie by wagon to Tower Hill to join Anisha and Juniper and Olivet uh, at the top of the tower when they are set at sunset to remove the curtains and reveal the massive drake fruit that they have lifted up to the top floor that is twice as big as the candle that Eulacan had made. The light is more ambient perhaps coming off all the sides of the drake fruit as it is and the network still needs to be researched, maintained, but for the people in Tower Hill, they look up and they see a soft teal light shading the rooftops and uh, painting the tips and branches of all the trees in the thicket that surround and crowded on all sides. And um, for them, it's a welcome sight.
1: Juniper wants to go back to Willow Run with Hemlock and Elsie.
0: Okay, Uh, what's your goal there?
1: My goal is to actually do the trial, do the druid thing right, instead of just kind of half-learned, sort of.
0: This would be probably several months that you're out of Tower Hill. Yes. So this is the part of the story where um, Juniper comes back with Hemlock and Elsie. This is the part where Juniper decides to save some money and room with Elsie for real in the hopes that maybe they can start getting to a better place. Although it's quite awkward at first on account of the whole bear situation, um, by God's <laughs> water <laughs> under the bridge. Who's to say
3: bear under the bridge,
0: bear inside your vital organs. Um, <laughs> as the adage goes, this is where master Hemlock can finally teach both of them. And, um, discovers that Juniper's innate capability and grasp of magic has already put her on a path to uh, come pretty close to Elsie's couple of years of teaching. And um, Master Hemlock realizes it's a delight to have two like nosy, inquisitive, interrupting uh, Druid students instead of one who follow him around all day. They both work hard and they're both dedicated and after a proper six months of training of long hikes with Elsie to learn plant identification of some volunteer ditch digging work with Boffin and the fruit growers, with a couple of really pleasant, soothing nights spent at the Greenleaf Tavern in Willow Run, getting to know the redheaded guard and making sure to always bring a fresh uh, drake fruit pie to Tom the Cobbler, now and again, Juniper is ready to face her trial of induction. And, uh, how does it go?
1: Um... Bad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's a four. I do not think we had to roll for this, but okay. <laughs> uh, it does go bad.
3: <laughs> he didn't anticipate this.
0: No, 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 it goes bad. But what I think is the key difference here is that instead of feeling frustrated and impatient and resentful of all of the misfortune that's happened, juniper thistleweed you uh stop as you are at the bottom of a pit full of entangling vines Mm -hmm. as hyper steerges that elsie invented are swarming you from up above and dive bombing you and you are trying to uh solve a puzzle involving three giant drake fruit seeds that you think you know what maybe instead of always pushing myself until I fall flat on my face, maybe it's okay to tap out, to take a break. All right. And you give Elsie the signal, and she stops her spells and carries you out of the pit, and you sit on the edge, and she hands you a snack, and you talk about how you're gonna do better next time.
1: Yeah, I'm probably, like, still pretty frustrated. I'm not, I haven't grown <laughs> that much. i probably, like, pop a couple berries. <laughs>
0: now you just keep a full bag on you at all times I probably know
1: how to make them now
0: you do know how to make them now
1: yeah and I say only let's just one more month I'm not going to wait another six months I'll get it one more month
0: Elsie says uh, okay I mean you can stay as long as you need to there's no rush there Juniper Elsie puts her hands on your shoulders and she says um, you want to try today one more time
1: yeah, and I down all the berries.
0: You down all the berries, and then she squeezes your shoulders a little bit and casts a spell, and um, over your exposed skin, uh, a coating of rough, knotty bark appears. Hey! Um, and it has little kind of thorns sprouting from it because I think that's sort of your bit. <laughs> um, and she says, "All right, now remember, it's three nuts, two seeds." And then solve it. And you know what to do. And she shoves you back into the pit.
1: Am I rolling again?
0: <laughs> do you need to roll? Fine. No, I want to roll. Okay.
1: It's D. That's fine.
0: Oh, no, <laughs> you roll a four. She, Elsie kicks over a, a fern that she had brought to life. She says, all right, let's call it a fucking day.
1: <laughs> all right, we call it a fucking day.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, what else? Um... This is, we're looking at, like, the next half year. Are there other things that need to be done? I can't say hello because I don't know. Here's you're knocking on. I knock
3: on on Anisha's door.
0: Oh, great. I don't do anything.
2: No, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) It takes a while because I'm up several flights of stairs, but I do open the door. Oh. Hi, Olivet. Um, Your apprentices don't hate you. (laughs) You want to come in yes okay
0: (laughs) you step into the tower which has now been retrofitted into a solar punk paradise there are irrigation systems uh, compost piles everywhere every morning Anisha sends their apprentices out now Seth and Ayola are known as the town gardeners to collect the food scraps and animal dung of the residents of Tower Hill to help fertilize the drake fruit and get them growing as big and as bright as possible
2: smells like shit in here Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, well, let come come upstairs. We can. There are chairs in my room. And we walk up. Um, how's how's the drake fruit
3: going? Well, you saw it. It's it's growing really well. Yeah, it looks great. Thanks. Um, and Olivetta's sweating buckets. Just very <laughs> nervous. Um, I know. I haven't come to visit, um, since the whole thing a week or so ago, but I was wondering if I could, um, I don't know, just come
2: visit you sometimes. The door's not locked. You can come by whenever. (laughs) This this is a town effort. This is our community garden. Olivet doesn't know how to be more affectionate, but I
3: just give Anisha a big hug and... (laughs) I'm really glad we made it out together
2: yeah me too there were several times i did not think i was gonna make it i did not think you were gonna make it either <laughs> yeah well it's what happens when you stay inside for 30 years you're not not that tough <laughs> um and i think all of it comes to visit like Twice a week. Nice. So nice. We have tea.
3: Yeah. I want to give Mateo the opportunity to join the guard, or at least, like, learn under me, because I feel like he kind of picked up that crossbow under me pretty fast.
4: How many people are in the guard? Like,
3: five. Four? <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot. Uh, I think it's... I have like five people under me.
0: But you're talking about increasing like patrols maybe? Yeah, yeah okay. I just, I want some
4: people to boss around though.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, give it a week and you'll be above Toby, but.
4: No, I want to start there. <laughs> I can take you on <laughs> oh, now, Captain. Oh,
3: this was a mistake.
4: <laughs> Come on, let's, let's let's just, you know, for old times sake, they'll little, little scrap. If and if I win, then, then I, I shoot straight to the top. <laughs> Tell you
3: what, if you win, you can start bossing around Toby. Shall we contest contested strength check?
4: Well, what's the competition? You said you just said you wanted to fight her. I changed my mind. Let's let's <laughs> let's, let's let's race. Let's,
3: I want I want to sho- just shove this kid down.
4: Hundred meter. Let's go right now. Hey, everyone in town. Oh, hey, everyone. Sho- we're gonna I, race. I I'm gonna count. race Captain Olivet, and I'm gonna win. Hey, everyone. Does a crowd gather yet? I shove no. him into the dirt. Hey, hey, everyone.
3: I'm just gonna, I let this happen, but like, as a result, I kind of just slyly put him under some shit duties. Just like patrolling boring areas.
4: Right. This isn't happening. I don't think she wants I'm to race I'm not, you not gonna race you. I'm all right, Captain. <laughs> I didn't know you were a uh, coward. That's fine. I accept the offer.
3: All right, Thank Mateo.
4: <laughs> Never mind, everyone. Kept all fed over here. There's a little bit of uh, a of fray of cat. <laughs> False alarm. Don't worry about it.
3: <clears throat> Lick him on the head. I think another thing that Olivet does, um, if Mateo agrees, is I kind of like the idea of, of like, Mateo comes on these rounds in the thicket, um, and, you know... There are deeper patrols now because, you know, we know what the siren is and there's no dragon and there's no sympathy candle. So we're doing like more thorough patrols in the thicket and maybe we stop by a little cottage in the middle sometimes. And that's sort of like Olivet's way of like both apprenticing Mateo while at the same time bringing him to Felix.
4: Yes, but I thought Felix was coming back. Because I thought he was only there while all this was going on.
0: That's an interesting point. I mean, Selway created the sirens to have a network of protection, which she could use to watch over the entire thicket and um, reach out to people who needed it when they were traveling. As much as the patrols can be increased, there's a question of whether or not that need still exists, whether Felix feels obligated to fill that need, um, or what other options remain. What do you think? Bro, since... Things are a bit
4: dire in in Tower Hill, and we could use your your expertise. I mean, you know, Juniper's pretty talented and everything, but I heard back in the day that you were uh, you were the cream of the crop, bro. I'm pretty fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> so we, I think that we could use you could do all your sirening and stuff. We we could live in the manor. But you can move in the look I mean, he's not. What's he gonna do, right?
3: <laughs> you can't live in the manor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we can live in the. Manor but how am I going to keep up my watch and make sure everyone stays safe? There's a pool
4: thing, I think, in the manor. We can move it. We can move the pool for you. It feels like there's a second pool? Yeah, look. See? I mean, it's smaller, but it's, it's, a, bowl. it's a bowl. It's the same thing. Same thing. Why didn't you tell me you found this? Well, brother, I think there was some things a bit more important. Like, I okay, you right. a neck There was a neck, you should've seen Cap ran up the side, jumped <laughs> down, boom, and it blew up and it hit me, I almost died, I almost fell off. I was like 15 feet, I climbed 15 feet, no problem, easy.
0: I've heard that part a couple of times now. <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah, yeah, and you should've seen me, I was shooting it. It was crazy, it was nuts. But You're talking about a bowl of water? I don't care about a bowl of water.
0: He beams at you through the mirror and it's a smile you haven't seen in a long time. And uh, he says to you, after a second, that uh, (laughs) when you get really excited, when you start talking about something that was really exciting for you, you kind of look like me. And he says, okay, let me get my stuff together. I'll be there in a few days. For real. (laughs) (laughs) For real? for realsies (laughs) for realsies uh
4: great so um I mean we can still go to a cottage but uh I mean everything else sounded good maybe
0: maybe the scene is the the time you pick him up and the time when uh a few weeks from now after he's uh packed up everything from Selway's uh cottage that he wants to take when he's kind of um figured out his own plan of absence and uh Olivet brings a wagon from Willow Run Uh, gets it as close to the entrance of the cottage as she can. And you all make a lot of trips back and forth. Moving is always a a big chore, but there's always pizza and beer at the end. And um, when you start loading up this wagon and whisper giddy up and start pulling it back towards Tower Hill, you notice something, that on the road leading out north from Willow Run, people have started digging ditches by the side of the road, like little sort of runoffs and uh, you see Boffin leading a crew with a shovel, getting them to dig ditches and then to plant small drake fruit vines along the side of the road in the hopes that in a few months they might start to uh, help shed some light on the path.
3: Keep up the good work, Boffin.
0: Okay, so I think the last scene of this is the evening that Juniper comes back to Tower Hill after about nine months, nine months since the unveiling of the Great Drakefruit. So a a pretty long amount of time from the end of our kind of present day action. She stops at the Fernwood Inn for the night to say hi to Ginny, catch her breath. I don't think she (laughs) kept custody of Gallops. So (laughs) I think she's just got non-magic horsies that pull her wagon. She's loaded up with a set of druidic spell books that master hemlock has gifted her elsie has given her uh a pet steerage in a cage which she's sort of maybe not like 100 percent on but it's a gift so there you go and
1: i've named it pansy
0: (laughs) she's named it pansy and her new quarterstaff the gift from felix uh, gleams in the daylight as she uh gets on her wagon and Sets off. Now, nine months later, there is a season of drake fruit that is ripe and ready for harvest. And it hasn't made it all the way through the thicket, but the road to Willow Run and Tower Hill uh, glimmers in the cool afternoon shadows of the thicket. It's kind of an underlit thing. So it's like very different than like the candles up above. Different vibes. The vibes. It's spookier. It's spookier. It's definitely it's just spookier. Yeah. Uh, and that's OK. Sometimes life gets spookier. And you roll up to the Tower Hill Gate, and um, you see Toby, uh, the guard. He is playing cards with a figure who is wearing a full guard uniform, but has uh, customized the helmet, so it's like a lot cooler and has more flair, <laughs> um, who's facing away from you as they neglect their duties and um, <laughs> fail to, to hail you as you approach the gate. hey. Uh, I guess I turn. You see me. Hey! hey.
1: <laughs> <laughs> look at you with a salary.
3: <laughs> and benefits.
0: And a house.
4: Yeah. <laughs> so I suppose you're gonna wanna get into uh, Tower Hill here, yeah?
1: If you think it's safe to let me in.
4: I'm gonna have to see some identification. Sorry, it's part of the job. I show him my um, Chandler you badge. You do have a
0: Chandler's badge. <laughs> oh,
4: would you look at that? That's pretty nice. Hmm. So, uh, what's your business here in Tower Hill?
1: Oh, you know, I have some, um, I have some bones to pick with some folks.
4: Poor wording. Well, that sounds like trouble. you gonna cause trouble. No yeah. more trouble than you would. Oh, wow, insulting an official now. I don't know. I think we're gonna have to turn you away. I'm just kidding. Come here.
1: Hey, hug. <laughs> Roll the hug. Roll the hug. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> That was a bad It's <laughs> That's day. a bad hug.
0: <laughs> Jory's rolled another four.
1: I've only
4: rolled fours. I don't know. Uh, do you remember your way around? Do you need me to show you where you're going? I'm going to come anyway. Where are we going?
1: Yeah, I want to say hi to all the people before I go. Can You guys can be like at tea. Yeah. Yeah, I go join their tea. Yeah,
4: yeah they're, yeah. they're going to be over here. They always have tea this time.
1: <laughs> all right, let's go get some tea. That sounds awesome.
4: Ew, gross.
1: You can have juice. <laughs>
4: Delicious. <laughs>
2: <laughs> can can uh Olivet and Anisha open the door holding hands? Yes. Yes, that's what happens. When you knock on the tower door, that's what you see. Hey, Hi. hey! How is everything? Big
1: reunion, hugs,
2: love. So many of hugs. I don't
1: do we have to roll a hug for them or is that just for Mateo?
0: We can just do one collective roll for all the hugs that are happening now. I
1: think I hug her so hard she loses a hit point. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we left off, I was at 20, so I have 23 hit points.
0: <laughs> Great. It's possibly right. may have leveled up in the past, like, year.
1: <laughs> all right. Are you, a, um, you know, a, dru- a Druid-y person now? Um, I did do the trial. No more bears. This time she did. What did she do?
0: The time you actually succeeded? Yeah um you had to go into like a big pond and at the bottom there were um all of these like aquatic plants and little like crayfish lobster guys
1: it was a pretty salty trial you should uh, teach us how to swim one day do you not know how to swim <laughs> all of it just stop smiling <laughs> um come in for some tea all right i come in for some tea
0: you head up to Anisha's room where they've got a teapot and some cups, and I don't have to explain to you what a tea party looks like. All right, so I can. should we just send,
1: <laughs> do we want to keep going or we bond? Yeah, we, yeah, we bond.
0: Uh, you want to talk to your mother? Yeah. One question I want to <laughs> ask you is when you were studying with Master Hemlock and completing your apprenticeship with Master Hemlock, did you uh, get any more tattoos?
1: I probably really leaned into like working under somebody who like, knows more about that, and I probably learned as much about that as I could. I'd like to say I've even learned how to do it myself.
0: Stick and poke. Yeah. Very <laughs> DIY of you. Um, cool. When you knock on the door of your home and your mother opens it, she gasps. I mean, she knew you were coming, but she didn't realize you were going to look quite like this. Um, and she draws you into a warm embrace. Wordlessly, she beckons you inside to the sitting room, and she uh, makes you sit down on the couch. And she runs upstairs. and runs back down with um, a big, heavy book. It's one that uh, you remember belonged to your grandmother, Violet, when you were a little girl, but um, when your grandmother passed on, you never saw it again. You were pretty sure your mother had gotten rid of it, but she hadn't. She kept it safe. And she brings it down, and she shows you and leafs through it and shows you all of the illustrations of the different tattoos, where they can go on the body, um, some marginalia notes on what they can do and how they might protect and enrich the lives of their wearers. And she um, she asks if it's possible if you could help her get some more.
1: Of course. I, I would love that. I would love to learn this with you.
0: She smiles. But you have business to attend to, today at least. Yeah. You... Um, leave her there and head to the site of the old chandlery. If you recall in Tower Hill, um, the chandlery was next to the town hall on the sort of central town square. Um, Is the statue of Eulacan still there?
1: Knock off his head it replace it
2: with a fruit. (laughs) (laughs) If it's still there, it's been vandalized. Yeah, I think
3: it's still there, but it's like really falling into disrepair and we're all kind of like just letting that happen.
1: Oh. <laughs> Maybe the inscription has been changed.
4: Yeah. Was that our? I thought that we at the start we were saying that like Eulachon, like we kind of got it, but we think that it's like we obviously didn't want to repeat that. But he still our found like he still did a lot for this place, or I, I, as he perceived differently now.
3: Well, that's what Jesse's asking.
4: Because I feel like especially the people of town. Like, that's a, true. A, they a, probably a, haven't a, changed. Worst, it's probably like a split 50-50 thing. I'd say it'd be more likely that people are like. I don't know. Actually, depends on how people view dragons. To tell you the truth.
2: Hmm. Um. I think what Joy was saying about like the inscription was that you. Was that yeah. What you said. I, I think. I think that's like a more fair thing to do. Is like change change the way we talk about him instead of like, oh, great, one light of the thicket. Yeah. It's been like toned down and be like, this is the founder of our town. He like started off with a candle. <laughs> great. It's more it's more like neutral than reverent. Yeah.
0: Sure. Okay, I like that. You, Juniper, pass back through the, the town square where um, you can see, actually uh, since it's getting on sunset now, you can see um, Felix in the window of Yulikon's manor. Mm-hmm. He's leaning out and in uh, one hand he's holding a bowl that has some water <laughs> in it and he waves to you.
1: I wave back.
0: Um, you pass the tower where you already caught up with Anisha and Olivet. You pass the town hall uh, where Charity is hitting on Mateo and <laughs> I don't know. And you uh, head up to the Chandlery which is undergoing some change. Per the instructions you sent by letter uh, some months ago, the uh, east and northern walls have been uh, refitted with uh, larger windows to allow more sunlight to come in. The workshop has been fitted with a skylight and some longer benches, and the chandlery sign has been removed. You step inside and you see the new sign, which has been delivered, is ready to go up. Tower Hill Botany. It's the name that uh, will be hung over the door. And you also see Keon. He is leaning against the long table, kind of looking around, and in his hand, he's playing with the key that he is uh, there to deliver to you. Feels really weird in here.
1: It's definitely different. Less waxy.
0: I don't know what to do in a town without a chandlery.
1: You can make regular candles.
0: Yeah, it's not as good.
1: Don't know what to tell you.
0: This is uh, what you've become this is what you want to do
1: yeah this is
0: all the time i put into teaching you um all the hours and all the patience correction that's just sort of um not really uh on the table i guess is that right what do you mean well i was training you to be uh the town chandler and uh, it seems you've chosen a different sort of uh interpretation of the uh role
1: unfortunately This town doesn't need a Chandler the same way it did before.
0: I guess that's how you feel then.
1: Also, just how it is.
0: (laughs) He drops the key on the work table and walks out without another word.
1: All right. I walk around my little new workplace and start gardening.
0: You start gardening, you start setting down all your equipment, unloading it, uh, finding a nice little bedroom tucked away for your spell books, for your private research, and um, you find a window on the north side of the town square where you can see the town hall if you crane out and look to the left. You can see the tower directly ahead. You can see Eula Khan's Manor just to the right of that. And in that windowsill, you place a big pot that uh, has a long trumpeting bright pink radilla flower. I think that's the end of this campaign. Thank you for listening to Many Realms. Uh, That was the last episode of our Talo arc. We are finished this campaign. Woohoo! We are so excited. Um, In the next couple of weeks, we'll have some one-shots for you. Um, We'll have some exciting news to share about our next campaign. Um, And we'll also, you know, take a moment to bask in in the glow and the glory of this really wonderful finale that we put together for all of you. So um, if you liked what you heard, and now being the perfect time to catch up, Let a friend know about many rumps.